I'm on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett and Dunn, Boot and Jean Company, and Collierville. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Brian Jacobs. Well, it's a busy weekend of college football in the state of Alabama. And joining us to talk about this weekend, some of those teams down in Alabama, Pat Smith from Jocks joins us now. Pat, thanks so much for joining us. I want to start off uh, with our hometown Tigers here in Memphis traveling down to Birmingham to take on UAB. Uh, We're about halfway through the season. What have you made of Trent Dilfer in his first year at UAB? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I will tell you, you know, the Georgia game really turned a lot of heads. Yeah, UAB lost to the Georgia Bulldogs, but what they were able to do between the hedges in Athens is something that a lot of teams of the last three years have been able to do, unable to do, I should say, and that has moved the football effectively. And Trent Delfer's offense, it's complex. You've got a, a former NFL Super Bowl winning quarterback who coached at a high school level, but he has brought a different type of offense. He's got Alex Mortensen, who is his offensive coordinator, who was at Alabama for many years. And they have brought something to the table that is brand new. And the offense is exciting, and a lot of people are fired up about that. The defense has taken a step back this year, not as good as it has been in years past. So that's been frustrating. But overall, the town is excited. Of course, we've got the new stadium in downtown Birmingham. A lot of positives going on with this team. So Memphis, I think about a four or five point favorite, Brett. I think that's right um, for the game on Saturday. But uh, but for the long haul, I think the UAB fan base, they're very impressed with year one. Not a lot of wins yet, but the schedule was pretty tough, but they like what they've seen so far. No place built better for the day in college football that the state of Alabama is going to have than you guys at Jocks and Gals. It works so hard at Jocks and your audience. Tigers UAB at 11, mm-hmm. third yep. Saturday in October at 2.30 <laughs> in T-Town. And then on the plane Saturday night, Auburn and, and Ole Miss. And I know y'all have it covered. I mean, this, this is what you live for. Oh, there's no doubt. And don't forget about last night. We had uh, we had the Tuesday night Conference USA in Jacksonville, Alabama, where Rich Rodriguez right. is now like 15-4, and 15-6 since he's taken over the uh, Gamecock program. So, yeah. Um, it's a good time to be in the state of Alabama. But no, you're right, Brett. It's, it's, it's a magical Saturday. I'm just glad that we're not talking about the fourth Saturday in October. We're old school like that. We like the fact that that game's played on the third Saturday. But yeah, I mean, so much is going to be talked about come Monday, whether it's Alabama really is still in the mix to get back to Atlanta, or is Tennessee still in it now with Brock Bowers out? Or are they going to be a team to be reckoned with in the East? And, can Auburn finally win a game in the SEC under Hugh Freeze? And can Lane Kiffin stop tweeting articles in Birmingham about whether he should be fired if he doesn't beat, or does he actually go out there and you know coach a football games? So, I mean, it's <laughs> there's so many storylines that we're going to get into on Monday. There, there, there's a lot to sort out. I mean, the, the first year head coach story of a, a, a number one draft pick in Trent Dilfer, two third third Saturday, two Lane Kiffin, and all that that went down last year with, with oh, Auburn. Yeah. With the first game of the day, the the quarterback play in that game, that may be the better quarterback matchup of the three games all day. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I can tell you that uh, you know Zero, he's he's done a fantastic job. Uh, you know, when he transferred last year from Baylor to UAB, 
And we got a little bit of look, but let's just be honest. It was the fact that it took Trent Dilfer coming in. As soon as Trent Dilfer, one of the first meetings he had was with him, and he said, "Look, you're, you know, you're you're not going anywhere. I mean, you're my quarterback. You're exciting, and and he has performed really well. A little banged up the last few weeks, but yeah, he hit hard by Texas San Antonio. Yeah, but I will tell you, he he is uh, he is a really special talent. I had an opportunity to have him in studio. For about an hour sharp sharp young man very sharp and so um so you could tell whatever trent dilfer is is giving him in that quarterback room he can handle it mentally it's just physically you know doing what he needs to do to be that type of quarterback but they're excited about him no doubt when you mentioned the excitement around this UAB program after that uh, Georgia game and you said a lot of people kind of saw something there um mm-hmm. from this UAB team but but when Trent Dilfer was hired, I mean, I mean, what was the excitement like to bring him into UAB? Because I mean, you think back over the last five or six years, it has been a roller coaster for UAB football with them shutting down for a year, coming back, uh, and now a guy like Trent Dilfer, who, who's very nationally known, coming in. I mean, what has the excitement around this program been since hiring him? Oh, it's been tremendous. Um, a lot of people, it was kind of out in left field. Um, yeah. You know, credit Mark Ingram, the athletics director at UAB. He wanted to go the unconventional route. You always talk about thinking outside the box, and that's exactly what he did. And so not only has he been able to bring that excitement, but he's brought some really good young coaches. I mentioned Alex Mortensen. Mm -hmm. He is not going to be at UAB long. I'm here to tell you guys. Of course, everyone knows his father, um, longtime NFL analyst um, at ESPN, who recently retired. I was told Alex Mortensen years ago when he was over at Sanford University here in Birmingham, he was calling some plays. Said, keep your eye on him. Then he ended up at Alabama as a graduate assistant, and then he's been an analyst for years working under Nick Saban. And then when Dilfer got the job at UAB, he immediately plucked him out to be the OC at UAB. He's a bright young star in the college game, and that's another reason why folks are excited about what not only Trent Dilfer brings to the table, but some other assistants yeah. on that staff. So it's a really good young group. They're going to take their growing pains here for probably a couple seasons. But, you know, with NIL and everything else that's involved in college football, UAB feels confident that they can compete at the highest level in the American. If Ole Miss wins Saturday night, it would be three straight six and one starts for Ole Miss. They haven't done that since John Vaught did it late fifties, early sixties, like 57 through 62. He did that or more every single year. How seriously do you think people take Ole Miss this year? It's a great question, Brett. Um, and and the reason I hes- I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything or had to think about it, it, it's because you know we're in a situation in this state that we have not been in in a very long time, and that is you know both programs talking about Alabama and Auburn at times have have really struggled. And I know that's weird saying that about Alabama, who's only lost one game. But I mean, you can turn the TV on every week and. You know, when you're down by three points or up by three points over Arkansas, when you had an 18 point lead at home, you know, there's a lot of hand wringing going on. And let's just face it, this offense that Auburn has put together this year, it is historically bad. I mean, we're talking about 2012 bad when Auburn went 0 and 8 in the SEC. It was the first time over the weekend against power five opponents that an Auburn quarterback has thrown for a hundred yards. It's crazy, but th- that's what you're dealing with. So I'm not really saying that it's the disrespect for for Ole Miss and what they're able to come over and do, it's just the fact that Auburn has played so poorly right. and they have not been competitive like everyone thought they could be. 
A win against Ole Miss would be huge. Uh, everyone is patient with Hugh Freeze. They understand that it's a work in progress. But a lot of a lot of people believe the talent that was brought in from the transfer portal that those guys would be able to maybe navigate a six and six, seven and five. Heck, you win a game here or there at Jordan Hare, like an Ole Miss, then you could be talking about eight wins. So it would be huge on that respect. I don't think it's any disrespect for Ole Miss because, as we both know, Brett, I think Ole Miss is, what, three out of their last 20 at Jordan-Hare, something like that. Wow. Um, it's been a very yeah. tough place for the Rebels to win. So, Only um, two in the 21st century. Wow. They got the one in the first game against Tuberville in 99, but only two wins in the 21st century, Eli Manning and Chad Kelly winning quarterbacks. Yeah, I was going to say the last win at Auburn, I believe, uh, Hugh Freeze was on the other sideline for Ole Miss. He was. He was, he was head um, coach in, yeah. in that year, one at Tuscaloosa and at, at, at Jordan-Hare. Yeah, yeah, he he did the uh, the Quinella there. I mean, so, you know, but it's a situation where, you know, Auburn is looking at this as, as a real opportunity. they got a couple of guys back on the defensive side of the ball, former uh, Ole Miss transfer who who had the tight uh, tightrope ankle surgery. Um, about a month ago, he's due back in the secondary, and they got a couple other guys that are due back from injury. But the bottom line is it's the offense. They have not been able to run the ball as effectively as they did at the beginning of the season, and they can't throw it. So, you know, if Pete Golding shows up and gets off the bus, I think Ole Miss will be able to, to kind of hamper them and, and do what they can. But we all know that crowd at Jordan-Hare, it, it's a crazy place, Brett. And if you get into the fourth quarter and you're in a close game against those guys, just all bets are off. Anything can happen. Well, you mentioned uh, kind of the the quarterback play. What have you thought of, of Peyton Thorne uh, in his first year with Auburn? And I guess same with, with Robbie Ashford, who's seen some looks, more more run plays for him. But what have you thought of these two quarterbacks through six games? Uh, poor uh, for yeah. both of them. And, you know, and just being honest, uh, you know, Peyton Thorne was brought in because he was supposed to be, you know, bringing competition. Same mm-hmm. reason why Alabama brought in a Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. You know, they they were supposed to push the envelope. Well, the issue is is that when Peyton Thorne came in, he was the best quarterback that understood the type of system that Hugh Freeze wanted to run. The problem for Peyton Thorne is that Auburn still does not have those playmakers on the outside, and the offensive line has been porous. So yeah. that is a bad combination because. He's looking out to try to throw to somebody. Nobody's open, or you get somebody in your face, and he doesn't have time to try to throw the ball. So he's actually he's actually been a more effective runner this year than he has been a passer. And Robbie Ashford, he, he's a freak athlete. He's a better baseball player, honestly, than he is a football player. I covered him four years in high school here in Birmingham, and he was outstanding at Hoover High School. And you know, he went out to Oregon. He played baseball for the Oregon Duck baseball team as an outfielder. And also, you know, he's one of the backup quarterbacks, and he decided, hey, I wanted to come back home. You went down to Auburn, and you can see him when he runs the football. He's a very special talent. The problem is that he just cannot run the type of offense that Hugh Freeze needs and wants to run. And so you're kind of hampered with those two guys uh, being your first two signal callers. They're not going to hand it over to Holden Garner, who's their third-string quarterback. So. It's been disappointing from a quarterback play standpoint, but we've been kind of used to that outside of UAB having some some poor quarterback play in the state of Alabama. Pat, how come some, mostly in Auburn, more fan site type media, why won't they just accept Lane Kiffin stayed at Ole Miss? He didn't take the Auburn job. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I suppose you're probably referring to the, the AL.com article that came out today, basically saying that, you know, if uh, Lane Kiffin doesn't, uh, doesn't beat Auburn this weekend, he should just resign from his take coaching position at Ole Miss. Um, I don't know, Brett. You know, that's one of those situations where everybody in the state of Alabama, I mean, I guess it's kind of like when, you know, when somebody makes fun of your, your crazy uncle inside the family, everybody laughs about it. And then when somebody outside the family makes fun of your crazy uncle, then you want to fight them. You know, I guess it's when they were looking at it, trying to hire Lane Kiffin, everybody was all on board. And then when all of a sudden Lane Kiffin decides to stay at Ole Miss, and, you know, get the things that he wanted and needed to, to build a program in Oxford, then all of a sudden everybody's like, ah, well, we didn't want him anyway, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, just send him to the house. So this will be, this will be interesting if, if he is able, just like the Vegas prognosticators are saying that Ole Miss is, is six and a half points better than Auburn, whether they're one point or six points better than Auburn, if he walks out of there with a win, not only will that propel Ole Miss for the rest of the season potentially for what they want to do long term, but you know it's going to leave a lot of Auburn people with probably kind of a weird taste in their mouth, figuring out, okay, did, did we really go the right route, you know, by getting you know Hugh Freeze uh, as opposed and they to don't maybe play going like for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so it, it really will be. It, it will be extremely fascinating to see um, how that all Auburn fan base uh, will react um, to that. Pat Smith from Jocks joining us now talking about uh, Alabama and Ole Miss, also UAB with that big game this weekend against the Tigers. Pat, uh, switching over to Alabama, obviously a big game this weekend against Tennessee, and we know earlier in the season the loss against uh, Texas and then uh, the poor performance against USF the following week. What have you seen from this Alabama team since then as they've played a couple of games in conference? Uh, It's been their defense. Uh, the defense yeah. is really what we thought they were going to be, and as advertised, you know there were there were two propaganda pieces that were put out in fall camp. One is Kevin Steele is going to come back, and it's going to be a nasty defense. The defensive front's going to get after you. Secondary is going to be buttoned up. Linebackers are going to come along. They'll take a little bit of time, but this this is going to be the defense that we should have had the last three seasons. That has lived up to the preseason. The other was the fact that Alabama's offense was going to play bully ball and you were going to be able to run the football. Well, you had 103 103 yards rushing in the third quarter against Arkansas, and then all of a sudden Tommy Reese decides, hey, we're going to start throwing the ball down the field like it's a flag football game, and then Milrow doesn't hit anybody, then all of a sudden it's a three-point game. So that did not live up to the way it's supposed to. But back to your original question, Kevin Stills got these guys. Statistically speaking, you've got a situation – where you have got Dallas Turner, who has got better numbers right now than Will Anderson Jr. did at this time last year. So those guys are getting mm-hmm. after it on the defensive side. And that is, you know, with Pete Golding there, whether it was the personnel or whether it was his calls, for Alabama to put pressure on the quarterback the last couple of years, it had to be brought from blitzes, from packages from the outside. When you can get the pressure from the interior, as Brett has seen for many years like I have, when you can do that, that just opens up the aggressiveness that your guys in the secondary can have, especially when you're playing press coverage. And so getting that push up front has been huge for them. And, uh, you know, that's going to be key for them against Tennessee. Tennessee runs the ball better than anybody in the conference. And if Alabama can hold their own in the gaps and be able to put pressure when Milton tries to pass, then Alabama feels pretty good about their chances. Now, on the other side of the ball, 
you know, can Jalen Milrow make the right decisions? And can Alabama run the football? That's been problematic at times with an offensive line that has given up an SEC leading 31 sacks. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, the kind of history they've had on the offensive line and NFL talent, but they just have not done a very good job in pass protection. Are you calling a 9-6-1990 Gene Stallings versus Johnny Majors game? Um, I have talked to numerous people this week, Brett, and I definitely um, – I was told today do not expect either team point total together, the total, the cumulative, to reach either 49 or 52 points that we saw each individual team score last year in Nayland. So I'm thinking this is going to be one of those old-school games, Brett, 2017, 17-14, something like that, you know, or like you said, I love those games. Yeah, yeah. Be fun. Nine to six game up in uh, Knoxville where the guy Dole went to with high the school with, hey, Philip Dole, I went to high school with Philip yeah. here in Birmingham, and Philip Dole kicked I think you've told me that before. Yep, sure did. Yeah, so he, Phillip, he was the hero. He, that was that was Gene Stallings' first year at, 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 at Alabama. Um, is the is the rivalry is it as con- contested? Is it as hot as it once was? Are all the Alabama wins? I know last year Tennessee got to win, but it 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 is as, it is it as hateful as it once was. No, it, no. Let me tell you something, Brett. It, all it took was is what took place last year, fifty two forty nine. Uh, let me tell you this. You know, yeah. in the old days, you know, when Tennessee ran off what seven in a row, when Peyton Manning did what he did, lead, led the band there at Legion Field and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, since Saban's been in Tuscaloosa, kind of flipped the flipped the script, so to speak. You know, everybody started saying, "Well, we don't need to play Tennessee anymore." You know, that's but LSU's a bigger rival than Tennessee. We don't need to play them. I promise you, hate week is back this week. Um, good old fashioned hate good. between these two programs, and <laughs> and that's what it took. You know what it took? It took Tennessee reminding all these young people that uh, really have never experienced a loss to Tennessee. You know, they didn't like the cigar smoke in Neyland Stadium um, when it's not coming out of their own mouth. So <laughs> they're hoping to to lot them up at Bryant Denny about six thirty on Saturday afternoon because if they don't, man, two in a row against them, whoo. That rivalry really will be hateful next year. I, I don't know if the league would let them play on if if they did, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be a penalty or a fine or what. <laughs> but I wish I I, I, re, I really I do. I I wish Heupel for when they come out to start the game, come out in orange jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be something. I mean that would be on the great. road. That would be <laughs> that would be fantastic. I'm I'm all about it. I, I really am. Um, yeah, you know, just like I think Alabama and Auburn and, and ought to be playing. They used to in play in red and, and orange jerseys. Yeah, and, and, and we so. had, we had black and white TV, and they used to play in them. <laughs> now, Brett, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, now, what year did they stop? Because Ole Miss back in the day used to change uniforms at halftime. Do you remember when they used to change jersey tops at halftime? I remember, I remember them doing it at a bowl game because the the it was so muddy at a Gator Bowl. They they took extra everything, but I don't I don't remember them doing it just standard practice, Pat. Yeah, um, it might have been in the early '80s. It might have been a time, but I, I think I distinctly remember lane changes you know, just, a bunch at halftime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like back in the day, folks might not remember, but uh, 
Alabama used to always wear white helmets on road games. As a matter of fact, the uh-huh. last time they did it was against Bill Curry against Georgia Tech, like in like an eighty four, eighty five, and then right after that, uh, they stopped doing it. They started wearing crimson headgear all the time. So, some weird yeah. things used people, to happen back had- in the uh, back in the old days. They, they 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 sure did. I, I got asked this this morning, and a part they asked me to to right now who would be SEC Coach of the Year, and I said Nick Saban. Really? Wow. Yeah, I'm because gonna, uh... after the Texas game, Pat, be honest. After the Texas game, I had them losing at least two more by now. They haven't lost any. Mm-hmm. Well, the toughest part of their schedule. <laughs> Is coming up. I mean, I, I, I like your uh, confidence, and uh, hopefully you'll share that confidence tomorrow when you join us on Three Man Front. Um, <laughs> and you because, know I will. Uh, because, I, because I'll tell you, we've had this conversation, and believe it or not, it, it was kind of a clean sweep with our group. We all picked Eli Drinkwitz as SEC oh, Coach of the Year. Pick. Um, that's who we went with, not Saban. And I guess the reason why is but maybe we're too close over, to the Over sun. that big win at Lexington? Uh, well, I mean, you know, just the fact that he was the first person, in, if you remember in Nashville, everybody said that he was going to be the first person to lose his job this year was going to be, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, you know? Um, and here he has, not that he's, you know, you know, beat the number one team in America, but, you know, what he's doing in Columbia has been, you know, been a surprise. Um, but, you know, it, the jury's out on that, Brett. I, I don't mean to be ugly towards Coach. Saban, because he'll probably call me after he hears me say this, but you know, there's just some time left on this schedule. For whatever reason, it, it's just been really hard to watch in regards to just undisciplined penalties. You know, they had two just dumb penalties that that basically gave Arkansas an opportunity to stay in the game. We've seen it countless times. You know, um, and whether it was a College Station and against Texas again this year, just just boneheaded stuff that, you know, you got to lay six and one head coach. I mean, you have to give the head coach. I mean, if you want to give all the credit to when they're winning these games, when, when they don't play well, I mean, that's the head coach's responsibility to get the position coaches, get their head screwed on straight so they can get the players straightened out. And at times that has been the biggest problem with this Alabama team. It's why they look so disjointed, very, very sloppy, very unlike Nick Saban teams from the last few years. Yeah, uh, they they certainly are that. Uh, last thing for you, Pat. I, I know we're in middle of football season, uh, but uh, but but what do you think about both Alabama and Auburn basketball? As AP poll released uh, earlier this week, Alabama at twenty four, uh, Auburn receiving votes. What do you think about these two teams going into the season? It's interesting because you know we are so just like all consumed with football. Right. You know, SEC basketball media days was here in Birmingham today. <laughs> and and so we're so we're sitting there doing the show, and I knew in the back of my mind that it was around this time that right. it was going to happen. And we had the SEC network on, and Landry, my co-host, looked at me and pointed at the screen. He goes, "Is that today?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's like right, it's like right down the street. It's yeah, right it's the Bohemian, right by y'all. Hotel. Oh, that's great. Yeah, right down the street in Mountain Brook." And I'm like, "Yeah." I was like, "Wow." <laughs> but to answer your question. Um, based on the people that follow it uh, much closer than I do at this time of the year, tell me that Alabama and Auburn are extremely close to each other. Probably when you look at the league, maybe a four, five, five, six type deal in regards to, to the pecking order in the SEC. Um, I think a lot of people think both teams uh, will be 
headed to the NCAA tournament, and they will be extremely competitive in the SEC. So that's probably the best I can give you based on the date, which is October, what's the 18th? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah. That's, that's about all we need at this point. It, it's football season, but it makes you feel any better. I, I also forgot it was SEC media days. Now, it wasn't here in, in Memphis, but uh, but no. I, I mean, Brett, yeah, Brett, you tell me, why, why are we having basketball media days like you know, in, in the middle of October? I mean, could they I've like, never been like, to one. No. Um, yeah, I've been, to, I've been to a few of them, and the Bohemians a really nice place. But yeah, it was just like looking at them, like going, "Is that today?" Oh yeah, it's real, real nice today. place. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yep. Well, I, 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 re- I really think the league should have a kind of a, a a second media availability sometime, like in in February. Mm. Yeah, or or how about this? Have it right before SEC conference that's play. That's a great begins. idea. That is you know? a great that, idea. That, that, and and you bad. do it in between where most of the football teams are already done with their bowl mm-hmm. games or somebody's getting ready for the college right. football playoff, you know? I mean, do it then because that's when most people, I'll just speak from my market in Birmingham, um, not until that college football national championship game is over before folks pay any attention whatsoever. That's basketball starts. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's when it happens here. I mean, we there's some big games yep. and there's some – the marquee matchups, the Gonzagas and Bamas will sure. play. Auburn will go play someone big in a preseason, or, or UAB will go off and play in a tournament somewhere. Now we'll get some headlines, but people will not pay very close attention to that until we wrap up whatever the football season is, the first part of January. That's beautiful. And it's going to be a great weekend in Alabama with all the football going on from UAB, Alabama, Auburn. It's all going to be great games. Pat, thanks so much for joining us. This is a lot of fun, and uh, let's do this again soon. Absolutely, guys. And, Brett, safe travels over here to the wonderful state of Alabama. You got it. Talk tomorrow, Pat. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pat. Pat Smith with us from Jocks down in Birmingham, and it's a day for Jocks on Saturday with those three big games sure from 11 is. till Man. about 10 at night, just the perfect kind of day. Hewlett and Dunn, Boot and Gene on the Historic Square in Collierville. They are a title sponsor of this hour for us, and we sure appreciate them. They've been on the square since 1961. It's a perfect day for them on Saturday. All day they will be there for you. Charles Hall, he started working there in his teens, and now with his wife, Laura, what a team they've made. They own the place that's known for all the boots, but also known for so much more, clothing, accessories, and a cap for any team for any season. All the different snapback caps you can imagine from a patriotic uh, cap to uh, various teams, anything you can think of for duck season, they've, they've got it. Western wear, work boots, safety toe, or soft toe boots, rubber boots, boots for every occasion at Hewlett and Dunn for all the tailgates, for all the good times in the fall and in the, in, in the winter months. They have you covered from head to toe with every brand imaginable from Anderson Bean, Dan Post, Ariat Weather for Men, or women, they have it, men's and women's clothing, pants, jeans, shirts, shorts, outerwear, and that duckhead collection. It's the best you'll find anywhere. Charles and Laura Hall invite you to 111 North Center Street, or go to HewlettDunn.com, but better yet, get by the square in Collierville. Hats, sunglasses, boot care products, and all those caps. Tigers, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Razorbacks, and for travel, the bag selection, Top notch. HewlettDunn.com, but please stop by and say hello at 111 North Center Street on the square in Collierville at Hewlett and Dunn. We need to get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about what's trending. 
Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to sports time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn, Good & Jean Company, and Collierville. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back in to Sports Time. We've got... A little less than thirty minutes left in today's show, and uh, Brett, we talked uh, we talked a lot of baseball today. Obviously, uh, with the postseason, I want to get into uh, tonight's game a little bit, um, but I mentioned it earlier. I wanted to get back into it um, during what's trending. But I, I read a story today in the Athletic about the real possibility that the Padres could trade Juan Soto this offseason. Kind of the similar situation we had this past year with Shohei Otani, his last year um, on his current deal. And a lot of people are thinking that if he goes to free agency, the likelihood of him returning to San Diego, especially if they go out next year and and perform similarly to what they've done these past two years, um, that the chances of of him returning to, uh, to San Diego would be very slim. Obviously, Obviously, um, we know uh, uh, Scott Boris is his uh, his his uh, agent, and and he is very good at at going to free agency and and getting a great deal for his player, um, no matter where it comes. So, uh, what do you make of the idea? Maybe the San Diego team that we saw them build up and think of all of these championships that they could win, it could fall apart before they even get one, or even close to one. Well, it it has, it, it did, yeah. and. And you know, I I would ask rhetorically, where where did they find the 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 money tree seeds? Mm, because they yeah. were just spending, uh, you know, like they were the Red Sox and the Yankees. Red really Sox were. haven't spent like that in a while. They haven't been they haven't been able to. Where does he land? It wouldn't shock me. Now he's going he's going to go where the most money, sure. where where the biggest offer is, and I don't blame him one bit. But it wouldn't shock me if it's back to DC. <sighs> wouldn't that be something? I mean that that DC team is young, and, and, and they're not far away they're from. Not. They're not being maybe being next year's Marlins. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you could could draw a lot of similar similarities there, and and I think they could maybe make that jump of just. I mean, this Marlins team just barely made that wild card. Didn't really do much in the wild card. Didn't do anything at all. But I think you could see them maybe get that playoff berth and Progress. Then use it as a as a building stone going forward. So, but I, in I the end, it will be it'll be Dodgers, Cubs, Yankees, yeah. somebody like that. It could be could be the Red Sox. I mean, you just said the Red Sox haven't been spending like that. Maybe they could turn that around. I know a lot of people think Shohei could maybe be uh, maybe land there, even though. Uh, he he kind of wants to be on the West Coast, but uh... it feels like if they break the bank and kind of go outside of their spending norms these mm-hmm. last few years, after just yeah. you know for so long, really, really, they the Red Sox became the evil empire. <laughs> he really did. That's a good uh, good analogy there. They really did. They, I mean, they they knocked the Yankees aside yeah. from that and, and and cashed it in. Had the mm-hmm. you know and had the great uh, season in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. That was just a, a great team, all, one of the all all time teams. Yeah, no, you're right. But I I really do like that idea of him going back to DC. I mean, a, a megastar 
in D.C. And, and for that team, you get away when, when things were really bad with that organization. And now it seems like a, a lot of young players, a lot of young players that seem to be coming in as, as much as I sometimes dislike Dave Martinez in the and the uh, antics he he pulls sometimes. They stuck with him, though. They stuck with him, and, and those guys played for him, played hard for him. I mean, there were a lot of times, especially late in the season, where they would be a big underdog, or people would just be riding them off in a series, and they'd go out and win a series, sweep a series. So, um, no, I, I don't hate that at they, all. They I would did. love that. Bryant, they sure did. At, at, a, at a time that a lot of teams can mail it in, say, yeah. 25th of August on, they didn't. They mm-hmm. they dug in and scrapped. No, I mean, look at look at what Washington last, did last year, and uh, and what the Cardinals did last year. I mean, the Cardinals completely mailed it in. Where and obviously different situations of uh, one team being very young, the other team um, really, you know, a lot of people thought that they would could go pretty out. deep, and, and they just bottomed out. But you saw this Washington team very young, Yankees kind of stuck to that plan. Out. Yankees bottomed out, but but that Washington team really stuck with that plan um, of hey, we're not here to. to to even make the playoffs this year. We just want to get better, get experience for these young guys, and that's what they did. But okay, tonight, one game uh, in Major League Baseball postseason, Astros-Rangers, Christian Javier on the mound for the Astros, Scherzer on the bump for the Rangers. What do you think happens tonight, Brett? Towel waving for sure. I mean, the fans in Arlington Uh will be out, and I don't blame them. Uh, but this, this morning, Dave and I were talking about, you know, the, the Rangers went to back to back World Series. Oh, yeah. Not just that 2011 mm-hmm. heartbreak. Yeah. Just to reach in and tear it out. You know, the Rangers had already set up their clubhouse for the champagne celebration before mm-hmm. everything happened with, yeah. with David Freeze in game six. No, I remember. But, you know, they, they were there in 2010 against Bruce Bochy. They were. They were. Wow. How, how the tables have turned. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be a big game. I know uh, Arlington's going to be rocking for this one, and and with Scherzer on the mound, I think that's uh, e- even more of a reason for the these Ranger fans to to get excited. Uh, Thirteen and six on the year, three point seven seven ERA. But we know he has that postseason experience. He's been there, um, one of one of the best pitchers in in the league. So I mean, I think there's going to be a, a ton of excitement um, for this game tonight. He's got that postseason experience, but I swear, in my notes right here, seven and seven, mm-hmm. all time in the postseason, yep. two and two in LCSs. Brett, I'm glad you said that because earlier today with, with, uh, with John, he was talking about this game and, and obviously we know John and, uh, he wanted to know kind of a, a betting edge anybody had and, and, and what he was betting in this game. And I told him, I said, Brett, or uh, John, you're Brett. This was John. I said, John, this could be a good opportunity to fade Scherzer coming back from injury. He he has that experience, but like you and just said, everybody hadn't been going great. in that direction. Everybody going in that direction. This might be a good time um, to fade him. So I'm really excited about this game. And really, with the Astros with their backs against the wall, how do they come out? How does that offense look? Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. And, and, and you know, Texas still a, a, a pretty young team. A lot yeah. of their regulars. Uh, r- really young players, but I, I think I'm for them. I, I'm I'm not anti Houston because I can't be anti Dusty Baker after being so anti Dusty mm-hmm. for so long. Now falling in love with him late in his career with w- what he's doing, what he's gotten done. Didn't you find it just rich with irony hmm. that on the tag up play and he didn't come, you know, he didn't touch second. He he cut the corner. Uh-huh. Was Altuve? 
Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Almost the baseball gods. But, Brian, <laughs> tell, tell me why. And I, I, I don't want to turn this into crack on the referees. It's the umpires, anything. It's the hardest job in right. all of sports. But without replay, they would have blown that. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and with this many, and you've got the very best umpires in the sport and extra umpires, mm-hmm. shouldn't somebody be watching on a tag up, him him doing it properly should absolutely. I mean, you would, you would think so, and uh, you know you see a lot of those all across sports, not just baseball. I, I've seen a lot you this get year. Get bailed out by the replay, yeah, and where you know you'll get these still pictures of a, of a referee sitting right, you know, standing right there and and having a, a great view of it, and without. Uh, replay, it, it would be wrong. So that is one reason to, to really like replay. Um, but, uh, the other part is these bang bang plays and we're getting down to the, the trilla, trilla second. I mean, not even the millisecond. Oh, I mean, we're getting yeah. down to, to time that is so slow that, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But, but everything's going to be examined now behind home plate. Not the last game, but Andy Fletcher from Memphis was the home plate umpire a couple oh, really? nights ago, and then he was he was in the rocking chair at third for the next game. But Andy Fletcher, a, a great umpire, mm-hmm, and yeah. his dad was just one of the legendary uh, uh, officials, umpires, referees yeah. in every sport. Uh, uh, just a really good man, and a- Andy is. Uh, quite quite distinguished, and yeah. I, I don't think he's ever done a World Series. A- Andy's a big Ole Miss football fan, and I saw him at the bowl game in Houston last year, and and, and w- w- Richard Cross and Harry Harrison, I ate breakfast with him, and we asked him if he, if, if he had ever done a, 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 a World Series, and I don't think he had. Mm. Uh, I hope he makes that yeah. cut, but he, he was really he was really good behind on plate, and that's the last place where, where you're really not bailed out. That you've you've really got it. You've got to get it right, and it's coming soon for sure. the automated. Oh, absolutely, and and really, I mean, that's the one. I mean, you can you can look at all of these umpires, especially in postseason when you've got more out there. Nobody cares about the the other umpires. It's that one behind the plate that that gets all of the heat. Um, if one calls wrong, they get all the heat. So that really is the toughest job is calling balls and strikes. And I I just don't want it to end in any controversy. No, I don't no, want no. the World Series. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to LCS game Pitch to clock. end with, with Keith. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought you were giving me the no, speed up sign. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going pitch clock. I mean, that's what, that's no, what no. the biggest I fear for me. Brett, rap. No, no, up, no, 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 Brett. No, I was, I was just emphasizing, uh, your point because that's kind of been the, the fear all year of we're going to get to yeah. a, a big game and, and that pitch clock. Well, it's been called up. a couple times. It has. But it hadn't been at, at key moments. Right. It hadn't, it we, hadn't we just been don't, want, we don't want a game to end no, like that. No, that. That would just be brutal. But we'll see what, uh, what the Rangers and, and the Astros can do tonight. Rangers looking to go up uh, three nothing in this series at home. Uh, that game uh, first pitch seven oh seven. That's what you love it, Brett. Not a not a first pitch at seven. It's seven oh seven. I've seen a seven oh three tonight. Oh really? Seven oh three. Wow. So uh, so moving it up. Well, what's a it going to be? I I would be. I, I swear I'm looking at seven oh three right now on MLB app. Well, you're probably right. Um, I've just gotten so used to every other game being seven oh seven that I just assumed it was. 707. It won't be at either one of them. Oh three or I'm interested to see when we actually get the first pitch tonight. Uh, air traffic control doesn't go off uh-huh. Major League Baseball no, start times. No, 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 no. We would be in big trouble uh, if we if they did. But let's get to our final break of the day. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show with Taco Bell Crunch Time. 
Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now, back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn, Boot & Jean Company, and Collierville. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. You are looking live. In your life have you seen anything like that? Goodbye. It's obviously crunch time. Hammer, nail, coffin. This baby is over. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito. So good. Double the steak with nacho cheese sauce, seasoned rice, red strips, sour cream, and the three cheese blend wrapped inside a warm flour tortilla with even more three-cheese blend grilled on the top. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito, it hits the spot now at Taco Bell. And at Taco Bell, when they say they are feeding people's lives with unexpected good, they mean it. Bowl food you can't get anywhere else. Well, Brett, what I learned today, we mentioned it earlier a little bit, but uh, Anthony Richardson is officially out for the season for the Indianapolis Colts, cutting his rookie campaign uh, extremely short. And this is a guy that obviously um, a lot of positive reviews, a lot of negative reviews out of college. A lot of people thought, obviously, a tremendous athlete. But the question was, in these game scenarios, can he step up to that NFL level? And I really enjoyed watching him his first couple games, being named the starter out of camp for the regular season. And I thought really flashed some some really nice moments. But took some really hard hits earlier in the season. And then that hit he took, um, uh, I guess, two weeks ago now, um, that, that injured him. And they put him on the, I, uh, the IR. They thought maybe you could go four, six weeks and maybe bring him back. But after consulting multiple doctors, they said that uh, the best avenue would be surgery. So he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, and, and hopefully after the surgery, he can come back um, and be the starting quarterback for the Colts next year. And we can see a full season of what Anthony Richardson can be as an NFL quarterback. And that means for the Colts, Minshew mania or bust. That's right. Yeah. Scary. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What I learned today, NFL, Roger Goodell's contract extended by the NFL. Uh He's been the commissioner for 17 years and and, and now and counting. And he's been one of, he's been the most successful Mm -hmm. commissioner in the history of sports. Often controversial, but he's made his bosses a bunch of money. Uh, his last reported annual salary, I think in 2021 is the last time people dug into it and got it from tax filings, $64 million a year. Wow. <laughs> wow. For Roger Goodell. Worth every cent. Absolutely. As a, a, as a percentage of what he's made them, they're stealing him. Now, yeah, honestly, okay, sixty-four billion. Come sure, on now, but but, but but he he's he's made it for him. I mean, uh-huh. how much is he really worth? He, I I think he's turned the temperature of the contempt down a little bit. But he will always be hated in two markets. New Orleans will never forgive right. Bounty Gate, and New England will never f- 
forgive uh, Deflate Gate. Deflate Gate, yeah. Uh, what I could have done without, uh, we, we also talked about this earlier today, but James Harden uh, not with the Sixers currently. He missed practice this morning earlier today, and reports have said that he is at his uh, his home in Houston, Texas. He met with the team uh, earlier this week talking about kind of his future with the 76ers. He told media earlier this week that he was planning on making his preseason debut on Friday, but now things are certainly up in the air after uh, what they would call at, at most normal jobs a no call, no show to work. Um, didn't let anybody know, just missed. They said that they would uh, give him an opportunity to, uh, you know, give a good reason why he missed practice uh, before ultimately they hand down a punishment. It's very clear he doesn't want to be with the 76ers anymore. He wants to be in LA with the Clippers. We'll see if it happens, but uh, things certainly are not looking good with him, between him and the 76ers. A good friend texts me about Roger Goodell. He goes, how in the world does he get by on making $64 million a year? It's got to be tough. It's <laughs> got to be tough. Could have done without the Baxter Holmes, Tim McMahon, overly dramatic think piece at ESPN.com. Look, sports really, really matters. It yeah. matters a lot to us. But John the, and John the Grizzlies really matter. But I've not encountered a single person around town that thinks Memphis is over because of Jaws' legal problems. Not at all. Not one. Not, not anywhere close. Uh, where are you beaming tonight? Arlington, the Global Life mm-hmm. Field Rangers can take total control with a 3-0 lead. And I mentioned Max Scherzer, 7-7 all-time in the postseason, 2-2 two two in LCSs. Brett, I'm so excited. I've been waiting all day to tell you where I'm beaming tonight. Beam me up to the KFC Yum Center for Louisville vs. Simmons College Exhibition <laughs> Basketball. They lost tonight. last year in that they game, sure they? did. That makes this even more important. Uh, Kenny Payne said uh, that he uh, has a young team, wants to develop them for the future as a coach. Let me tell you, Brett, nine of their 12 players are either a freshman or sophomore. We'll see what the kids got. Also, keep an eye on the college football tonight. New Mexico State at UTEP and FIU at Winless Sam Houston. It's going to be a good night with the baseball, uh, a little preseason basketball, and, and the college football. It should be a really good night. But that's all the time we have. Enjoy your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock.